right? There we go. Uh, good morning and welcome to Chanel. We are so glad that you are with us this morning. If you're joining us online, hello as well. Now this morning we're closing our, revisiting our vision series because we've talked about transform, welcome, and this morning we'll talk about the final stage of our vision, serve. When I started at Chanel, it was in 2015. As most of you remember, Kentucky went 31, 35 and 1 that year. But um, I started in 2015, and it was also the same year that Judah was born. Uh, as a youth minister starting here, I wanted to plan this mega summer that would show these kids what I was all about. And then we learned that Judah would be born like May 15th. And we were like, oh no, uh, that's not great uh, for summer plans. And I remember working out the, the big trip. We went to Impact that year at Lipscomb University. And then the rest of the summer, I attempted to sell our teens on serving locally. Uh, as you can imagine, when you've gone on big trips and done extravagant things, being like, hey, what if we didn't do those and we stayed here because I've got a fresh baby? Uh, it was a hard sell, but he was cute and they worked with me. And so that summer, I decided to do something called Mission Little Rock, where we stayed here and worked in our community. Over the first few days of this week, I literally had our kids meet at the building and walk Taylor Loop and Bella Vista and introduce ourselves to our neighbors. That was what we did. We knocked on doors, which everyone loves. We knocked on doors and we're like, hey, we're from Chenal Valley Church. We are so excited to be your neighbors. We just want you to know if there's anything that you need us to do, we're here for you. And we had a couple of weird requests. One family said, we need milk. Is that something that you guys would be willing to do for us? And we sent a kid to the grocery store and came back with some milk. Another family that lived across the street here said, I need a stump removed from my backyard. I love your kids, but that was the first week that some of your kids met a shovel. And so we took, I think, a full day to take a stump out of somebody's backyard. But we were trying to do just really easy, basic service projects for our neighbors. And at the end of the week, what I did is I took the money that I had allotted that week and I said, I'm going to divide this money up between four groups. And over the next two days, I want you to create service projects with this small money allotment. I don't remember how much it was, but we started to see the kids develop their own service projects in their community. Remember, one group went and took their money, they went to Sonic, and they bought, not for themselves, they went, they're like, we're going to take a break, but they went to Sonic, got a bunch of drinks, and then passed them out to the cart corral, the cart wranglers at Kroger's. It was in there in the summer. It was hot. And then they gave the drinks to the employees, and then they went and pushed all the carts back inside of Kroger's. Something simple that you would never think to do, but they did that. It was an amazing kind of idea of just something that just fell right into our laps. But my favorite thing that those kids did was one group decided that they were going to bless a nursing home. So they called, and actually they Googled what are the kind of worst-rated nursing homes in the community. They found one that was just two stars, which it's Google and who's reviewing that. But they found a two-star nursing home, and they called the nursing, kind of the uh, nursing employees or whatever, the nurses at the nursing home. I don't know why I struggled with that. But they called the employees, and they said, hey, we want to bless you guys. Could we bring you guys lunch? Could we make cupcakes for you guys? Because we know that often you guys are overlooked for the hard work that you do. 
And the nursing staff said, you know, it means the world that you random children would call. Um, but we're good. But there's a man in our nursing home who's like turning 95 today. And we don't think his family's going to come. Could you guys do just something small for his birthday? Now, our kids have been told all week to say yes to every opportunity that comes up. So immediately, they were like, yes, and you think it's going to be small, it's going to be crazy. And that's what they did. For the next full day, they planned a birthday party for a stranger. I'm talking balloons, cupcakes, signs, those weird little birthday hats that people, that children wear. We had it all. And then on Friday, we drove to this nursing home, and we, we had all these these silly images of us getting into cars with balloons full of cars. We go to the nursing home, and we surprise this 95-year-old guy. We're like, I think his name was Harold. We're like, happy birthday, Harold. He had no idea what was going on. The other residents were confused as well. They're like, well, who are these children? And who's in charge of these children? Because that other person looks like a kid too. We show up, and we just, we do the balloons, man. We've got the hats, the cupcakes, the signs, happy birthday, Harold. And there's a moment where I step back and I look at these kids and I see them serving and I'm so proud. I'm like, these are my people. These kids are awesome. And I feel a hand on my shoulder. And somebody says, hey, how do you know Harold? I said, we, we don't. Uh, we called and we just showed up because we wanted to celebrate Harold's birthday. And I said, do you, are you an employee here? And she said, no. And I said, well, how do you know Harold? And she said, I'm his daughter. Who are you people? <laughs> now, all week, I had told those kids that when the opportunity comes, you share who we are. And I think it was Thomas Gardner who just ch- chimed in, we're Chenal Valley Church. I tell that story because after that, I trained them of, in awkward situations. We're from a different church. It's okay to say that. <laughs> but in that moment, in that scene, what I want you to hear in that story is how easy it was for those kids to serve. They didn't hesitate. They didn't think too much about it. They just looked at opportunities that, of doors that God had opened up, and they went for it. That was part of their DNA, Because that's been a part of this church's DNA since it began. We are a church that serves. Jesus says this in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. That is who this church has always been. When I started here, one of the first things I did is I just called a bunch of people and told them, Hey, will you share with me the story of Chenal Valley Church? how this church started. And I've probably shared this story in some form or fashion before, but one of the individuals that I had lunch with was Dale White. And so I said, Dale, do you have time for lunch? I just want you to share the story of Chanel, uh, kind of from your perspective, what you experienced. He said, absolutely, meet me at the Bear Creek Country Store in Ferndale. I'd never been to the Bear Creek Store in Ferndale at all, but I promise you one of the best sandwiches I've ever had in my life. And after we ordered, we went to Dale's house, And over the next probably three hours, Dale shared with me story after story after story of Chanel. And when I left, I drove straight back to the the Bear Creek Country Store, got another sandwich. But when I was in the parking lot, I wrote down as much as I could remember what Dale just told me. And one of the phrases that he used that day was that everyone had a job. That has always sat with me. 
when I think about how a church begins, how a church starts, that everyone had a job. It was a part of this church's culture that everyone had something to do. Everyone brought something to the table and that everyone served. Whether that be putting up chairs, putting up tables, cleaning up the auditorium, whatever it was, everyone had a function and everyone had a role because everyone served. It's who this church has always been and who this church always will be. And so this morning I want to revisit just a little bit Mark chapter 10 and another passage too. So we'll be in Mark chapter 10 and Matthew 25. But Mark chapter 10, a verse that we've already kind of quickly referenced, begins here. Verse 35, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. If you've got children, you've heard this request before. Uh, You don't know what they want, but they kind of want to guarantee on the front end that the arrangement is going to be met. But James and John come to Jesus with this request. And what they are really after is power is authority. They want to have a place, a guaranteed spot in the kingdom of God. And so what they say, Jesus says, what what do you ask? They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. Now this opens the door for Jesus to have this dialogue with these two individuals as well as the other disciples. Because this clearly creates discord. It creates kind of this uncomfortable feeling of like, should we have asked for that too? Is he going to give it to them? Right? Like, there's some awkwardness that develops as the story goes on. So let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in glory. You see, they don't get what they are there for, they don't understand why they are with Jesus. For them, it's about power, for them, it's about authority. For them, it's about having this place in the kingdom that says you are here right now and you are better than other people. Which leads Jesus to respond here in verse 42. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentile lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. And then Jesus uses these words again, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. This is a moment where they don't get it. They don't understand why they are there, why God has called them into this moment. It's not so that they could be glorified. It's not so that they can be in the seat of power, in the seat of prominence. God has called them for for this moment, for this purpose, to serve. A church that does not serve will not grow. As a congregation, our focus has always been outward. Who can we serve? Who can we help? Think about any time someone is sick or hurt or has lost somebody. We ask two questions. How are you doing and what can we feed you? I mean, those are our two staple questions here at Chanel. But the reason why we do that is because we care about each other and we care about our neighbors. And sometimes it just takes a little bit of dreaming. So take, for example, some of our most recent projects. Project Prom was created by the Jills. I'll include Jill Jill and Jill. uh, Created by the Jills. And it came out of this idea of how can we serve 
our neighbors at Robinson High School. When the idea was brought to me, I will admit, I was like, who cares about prom? I, I didn't get it. I was like, get to wear a tux, you got to go out to eat. I mean, I'm there for the eating part, but it's just like the fanfare of it, it, it missed me, right? I didn't get it at first. And it was this idea that they, they came up with. They had an idea, they organized it, and then they executed it. They didn't take years to do something. They just went after it. And guess what? I was wrong because we didn't just provide dresses. We extended our community. They served not just the physical needs of dresses, providing food, all of those things, but they also met spiritual needs. See, we serve because that's who we are and what we are called to do. Regardless of if we see numerical increases due to what we are doing, we are still going to do it because that is what we are called to do. We are called to serve. Now, I mentioned just a minute ago that I also want to look at Matthew chapter 25, one of the more perplexing stories that we see in Scripture. And Jesus begins here, Then the, son, the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And they respond. The righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? This is probably my favorite part of this story. See, these people are doing service instinctually. They don't even recognize that they're doing it. Jesus kind of goes in this abstract example of what service looks like, and they want to be specific. So if we go back again and look at this, Jesus says, like, when I was a stranger, he makes it about him, and they do too. And so when Jesus says, you've done this, he says, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. I love this story and this parable that Jesus tells because you you learn a couple of different things from it. It's an important story of serving. But there are two things that are clear within the story. We will be judged for what we do. How we spend our time on earth. I do not think that when we meet our creator, God is going to say, so what did you plan on doing? What did you write on the whiteboard that you thought was a good idea, but you just never really got around to doing it? No, we are called to do. But I want you to, again, look at the examples that Jesus gave with this italization that I gave here. It says, the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did you see a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did you see a sick person or in prison and go visit you? The the references to service and to help are not astronomical. They're instinctual. How many times have you left the Chick-fil-A on Cantrell and you go back to get on 430 and you see somebody there holding a sign? There's so many times where I'm reaching into my kid's bag because I'm going to eat one of their fries because that's the only way you can eat a Chick-fil-A fries while it's still warm. I'm taking that fry out and I see that man who has a sign that just says anything helps. They're not responding to it. 
We have those moments in our lives every single day where God is pulling at our heartstrings saying, here's a person to serve. Here's a person that maybe needs a meal or just a a smile or, or even just something that makes them feel a little bit better. Those moments are instinctual. And the examples of service that Jesus gives are right in front of these people. They are practical and need-based options that are simply instinctual choices. And we've talked about these moments over and over again. But when you act on those, that is when you realize you have been transformed. When you serve out of instinct versus obligation, you are transformed. And furthermore, when you serve those who don't look like you, think like you, or act like you, you begin to welcome more people into the kingdom of God. There's a a phrase that that I want to start using here when we talk about service. It's dream, then do. You've heard a little bit of what we're trying to do tonight. I want to make the concept and the idea of service just to be fun and practical. And so tonight, it's an all-ages event where I want people from different ages to get together, to sit around and dream for a little bit. I want it to be fun, and I want it to be exciting, but more than anything, I want you to see that serving is practical and easy. I want you to see that the opportunities to serve are right in front of you. You just have to do them. You just have to dream a little bit and then do. But it's a mentality. See, who we have been as a church is who we are going to be in the future. We've been reading a a book recently called Atomic Habits. I love the book for a lot of different reasons, but one of the things that I've really clung on to is the idea of realizing who you are and living into that. The writer talks about individuals who are trying to quit smoking and saying that there's two lines of thought when it comes to smoking. If someone offers you a cigarette and you're trying to quit smoking, you can say, I'm good, I'm trying to quit. That person is a smoker. They think that they are. They know that they are. They're just trying to quit. The other line of thinking in that whole process is to say, if someone asked you if you wanted to smoke, say, no, thank you, I'm not a smoker. See, that person has already realized who they want to become. In the words of one of your elders, Bill Cash, I believe that you all are the best people in Arkansas. I absolutely do. And so we have a choice. Do we hide it under a bushel? No. Or do we let our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers know that we are a church that is transformed by the amazing grace and mercy of Jesus Christ? That we are a church that is welcoming and loving on anyone who wants to become part of our church family? And that we are a church that serves not because we have to, but because that is who we are. And you see, friends, that is the beautiful thing about our vision. It's who we've always been, but it's also who we are always going to be. Let's stand and sing together. I have decided.